Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. What were we talking about last week? The book of Proverbs and wisdom, which is what it's all about. So uh, I don't want to take a whole lot of time to uh, revamp some of the things that we talked about last week. But you know, God wants us to live natural in our natural lives, being balanced Christians, balanced in the Word and balanced in natural things. You know, and and He knows that that we as believers have things that we have to take care of in this life. And so the book of Proverbs has a lot of natural wisdom in it, and. Uh, Honestly, if you read it and read it often and let it, let God apply it to different situations in your life, it applies everywhere. You can find the wisdom that you need, you know, will come right out of there for you. You know, but there are just times that we have to understand that we don't have in the wisdom in and of ourselves. In fact, is we need to make sure we do that all lean not to your own understanding because wisdom is something that comes strictly from God. And um, we understand that wisdom and knowledge are two different things. Knowledge is an, is, is an acute accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the application of those facts. And, you know, where God's concerned, spiritual facts are incontrovertible. They are never changing. Man's facts can change. And men's facts do change. I mean, let's face it. You know, at one time, the, the known fact was that the earth was flat. That was a fact as far as man was concerned. But we know the earth is round. There was a time, you know, when, I mean, you, you can think of all kinds of things that men were, were absolutely convinced and they were taught as fact. And lo and behold, they changed their minds. There are people all over who do that all the time. You know, you know, that comes with an increase, you know, of understanding and knowledge and natural things. But, you know, I think there are so many things that we see in our natural world today that are so beyond the the, the just, I mean, like, how is that possible from somebody who lived 100 years ago? You know, Billy Graham died, 99 years old. Can you imagine the changes that he saw in his 99 years? You know, I, I, I've read, you know, certain things, and I was, I was reading something about the Roman Empire the other day and all the hundreds of years, you know, that the Roman Empire existed. And I'm thinking, how little changed over those hundreds of years. And yet for us, the last 200 years have been a speeding bullet of change. When you stop and you consider what man has accomplished in the last 200 years, technology and just, I mean, airplanes were not thought of 200 years ago. Are you kidding? I mean, they barely get a wheel going, you know, much less an airplane. You know, I, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. And I have to look to think that that really as knowledge of the Word of God has increased in the earth, you know, the things that man has come up with has increased as well. You look back all those hundreds of years ago, you know, the word of the Lord was not very well known. People didn't have the word. They didn't, I mean, you know, the, the church maybe had the word in some kind of written form, but people were, you know, who, who, you know, were taught the word or taught, you know, by somebody who considered themselves a cleric, you know, they weren't allowed to read it for themselves. How were they supposed to find out about the knowledge of God when they weren't allowed to read anything that God had to say? 
You know, and, and what they did here came through the, the lips of men who weren't perfect. You know, there was no opportunity for them to learn by the Spirit of God. But I tell you what, once the Word of God went into print, that began to change. And look what we, the astounding things that we see today that have happened. Do you think the enemy is the one who orchestrated and authored so much of the inventions that we've seen? I doubt it seriously. Men who were, who were person, people who looked to the things of God were the ones he gave those ideas, those inventions, those, 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 those experiments that turned out the way they did. You know, I believe God's hand has been there so many times and we just fail to, to recognize him. But anyway, um, knowledge is an accumulation of facts. Wisdom is the application of those facts. And it should be something that we pass on from generation to generation because after all, Proverbs is a book that Solomon sat down and he wrote because of what his father had taught him and what his mother had taught him. You know, training up a child requires mother and father. You know, there are things that a father imparts. There's things that a mom imparts. And, and, and so he wrote these things down. The, the Bible says that he had 3,000 Proverbs and we, we just see a few of them that are written down. So we just have to expect that God took the best and he had them set down on paper, you know, so that we would have them for all eternity. And it, it's something that has to, has to be ongoing in our lives as well as passing it down to generations because wisdom is built on wisdom. You know, Isaiah 28 says that we have this precept upon precept and precept upon precept. It's learning and learning and going over those things and over those things. Listen, how many times did it take for you to go over multiplication tables before you finally knew them? And with the advent of things like calculators, we have, we have not remembered them as well as we could. I was in a restaurant a few months ago, and there was a sign out front in, in the, in the, when you first came in. said, now hiring must be able to do simple math. And I, I saw the owner was walking around. I said, are you kidding me? And he goes, you would be shocked, these college people who come in here who cannot do simple addition or subtraction in their head. And I went, that's ridiculous. So some people are taking a few steps backwards. You know, some of us old school people didn't have the benefit of calculators. We had to just learn it and do it. But, you know, there are things in the Word that we should be able to learn so that they become such a part of us that we don't even stop to think. We just can rattle it off just like this. Now, I do right now, I'm, I'm, I've got myself into a, in a habit where I do a five-mile walk every day. And, uh, and there for a while, I had, I'm the kind of person who has, I've got little, I've got, I like little goals because it seems like five miles just seems, seems like, like, you know, it's just so ridiculously long. And so I divided my walk. I've got, I've got a route that I do t two laps of. I divided my route up into four segments, and I counted the steps off in those four segments. And in those, in those four segments, I've got eight segments, and in those eight segments, each one of them has 80 steps. And I can just go around walking, counting. If I'm, if I'm going to count today, you know, I, it's amazing. I can start counting with one. And before I know it, I'm up to 50 because my mind went somewhere else. But I was still counting. And I was right where I needed to be. Now, that's how much the Word of God ought to be a part of us. You know, that, we, that we know it so completely, so fully. It's, it's in us so much that it just comes out even though our brain might be somewhere else. 
You know, our mouth is speaking the word of God. You know, I, I remember Pastor George Kearns, he had some surgery one time. And when it was all over, his doctor, I don't know if his doctor was a Christian or not, I think he was. But anyway, he, uh, when he came out, he got back to his room. He said, well, they tell me I went to sleep speaking in tongues. And they tell me I woke up speaking in tongues. Listen, your spirit man ought to be so trained, you know, that it doesn't take, it takes anesthesia to get you to stop talking about the things of God. You know, and, 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 you know, knowing Brother George, y'all know how he was. You know, it was, it was not a surprise to me at all. You know, I'm thinking, they probably wanted to put him to sleep so he'd just shut up. <laughs> but he, he was a real blessing to all of us. So anyway, precept upon precept, hallelujah. And so we talked about the fact that proverb, the word proverb actually means a rule or a standard. In Hebrew, it means to be like. And that's what our life is supposed to be is taking the word, and it becomes the standard for every part of our lives. You know, you let your children grow, just like a tomato plant gets staked. You let your children grow, and you let them begin to branch out on their own, but you always make sure they start branching out that you manage to get them and tie them back to the word, bring them back to that place that is the standard that they will make the rest of their lives dependent upon. And when you do that, you have no fear of what your children might decide, what decisions they might make. If they're staked to the word of God as the standard for every part of their lives, every part, not just the big things, but the little things as well, because sometimes it's the little decisions that we make that are the beginning of either the best success we'll ever have or the worst failure we'll ever have. One little decision can be the pivotal point in our lives if we're not careful. If we don't recognize that every decision we make, see, God doesn't really want you to, to stop and ask him, well, now, Lord, which route should I go today? Lord, that light's turning yellow. Should I run it or should I just stop? <laughs> no, I don't mean that. Y'all are supposed to laugh. Come on, give me a break. He doesn't want to know, okay, which store do I go to? You know, what he wants is for you to have some good old common sense, you know, and that's what I find in the, in the book of Proverbs a lot of times. It's a book of a lot of common sense. And yet, at the same time, use your common sense, but be open to hearing him say, uh-uh, don't do that today. Don't do that today. Okay, this is the fastest route to work. This is the way I always go. What happens if you get in the car? And, and are you listening for him to say, don't do that today? Yeah, but Lord, you know, this is what we all do. Yeah, but Lord, if I take the other route, it's going to take me longer because I'm going to run into this kind of traffic and I'm going to do this and da-da-da-da. And he says, take this the other way. And then you find out there was some kind of accident, some kind of a problem along that route that would have delayed you greatly getting to work or maybe saved your life. I remember one time when just got delayed a few minutes going up to Lake City for something. And um, just because it's like, okay, just wait a minute. It was all, I, I kind of was like, what's that all about, okay? I don't know, okay. Sometimes it's so, it's so slight that you just think, you know, it's just you. But you know what, when, when you're living open to the Holy Ghost, it's not just you. But as, as I got in the car and headed to Lake City, I found there had been a little small tornado that passed right across where I would have been about the same time I would have been there had I not waited that extra minute or two. 
See, God knows what he's talking about. He wants you to just use good common sense, but be open to hear him say something else. Just say, wait, wait. Because there have been decisions in our lives that we've had all had to make at one time or another that using your good common sense, which a lot of people do not have, using your good common sense said to do this, and there was no reason why you should do it differently, but God said, no, don't do it. Do it this way. And later you would find out the reason why. See, the Holy Ghost knows. And see, that the whole point is wisdom comes from God. And the best wisdom you can get is to always be ready to learn and to listen from what he's got to say. Amen. Um, Remember that your children need your input. They need you to your wisdom. They, that's why you need to be always striving to gain more and more wisdom in the things of God. It's because they will need it. They will need you to be an example of godly wisdom for the rest of their lives, which means the rest of your life. Don't think just because you get them grown that they're 30, 40, even 50 years old that they don't need you to be an example of godly wisdom. They need you as much then as they ever have. It will make a huge difference in their lives if you don't. Um, uh, like I said, there are big things and little things that God has, has put into the book of Proverbs. Hallelujah. So I think we'll just stop there at that on the catch-up. Uh, last week we stopped with Proverbs 3.13. And let's just go over there. Just want to elaborate a little bit on this. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. That's where I really want to, to stop here for just a minute. Happy is the man. Happy. Well, how can you be happy? When, when life is well, when all is well, you're happy. And happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. But look at that. It says finds and gets. That means you have a job to do. You have a part to play. God has his part in every spiritual transaction. You have a part and God has a part. And here God will give you the wisdom. He'll give you the understanding. But you've got to get it. You've got to go dig it out sometimes. You've got to go find where it is. If you don't have that already coming up on the inside of you, you're going to have to go find it. Listen, there are some people who seem to think when problems are, are all around them, when they need some help with something, that they can just come in my office and suddenly they can get all the wisdom that they need in 45 minutes. Wisdom and understanding is not on the short order menu. It is not a fast food item. And the philosophy around here is, if you don't bother coming to church, don't ask to come in my office. There is more wisdom that God can give you in 30 seconds of sitting in the service than I can do in an hour and a half in my office. And if you won't at least do the part that it is, is saying that I'm here to do my part, Lord then don't come ask me to do your part. That's basically a lot of times what people want when they come in my office is they want me to do all the digging for them. Listen, if you, if you want, like I said, if you won't get yourself in church and come sit in here and sit under the anointing and sit under the instruction that comes from the pulpit, there is no reason for you to come in my office because I'm going to tell you probably what you should have heard already. And why should I repeat that? 
because you are too lazy to get to church. Well, there's a few amens there. You think, oh, no, I'm Pastor Angela. I'm not, I just couldn't get there. Hey, really? Really? You really, just, you really just couldn't get there, huh? Well, because you had something better to do. Oh, I had a better offer. Oh, it was easier to go, you know, do this than it was to go to church. But I've got this problem, Pastor Angela. I've got this problem. I need to sit down and talk to you. Really? i tell you what. You, why don't you just come sit beside me on Sunday morning right here, and we'll see what kind of wisdom we can get together. Mm-hmm. Hmm? What Angela is talking about here is when people come for counseling to a, to a minister, a minister is going to give, there's only so much you can share in a, in a session, but any counsel a minister is going to give, he's going to do it in the context of everything he preaches. It's going to be just a small portion, a segment, but just like you can't take a chapter out of a book and understand the book or take a paragraph out of a chapter and know what the, what the, what the uh, chapter has to say. You won't understand the chapter that way. Coming for, for counsel. Now, we do counsel when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. There are times yeah. that it's necessary. But a lot of times they want, like Angela's talking about, this quick fix thing. And again, if you don't understand the context of why we're advising or are giving the instruction we are, you'll very likely go off and misunderstand and misapply the counsel you got because you're not, you're not here often enough to know what the Word of God says in total about different things in life. Does that make sense to you? And so that's why, and it's not that we're talking about anybody here, but sometimes we get called uh, even from people outside of our church and they want to come counsel them. We just don't do it. We just say, no, we're not going to do it. Well, you're a minister. Yeah, I'm a minister. I have a flock. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, you can come. But there, it would be foolish for me to try to instruct you uh, and take a little snippet of wisdom that you're not going to understand. Even if we spell it out, you'll not understand it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, you know, I, I know that sounds hard sometimes, but, you know, there's, there are services I sit here and I'm thinking of certain people and certain situations and the answer is right there. It's right there. And they're not there to hear it. And they want to come sit down and talk about all this stuff and they say, oh, Pastor Angel, I just need some help. I just need some, I just need this, I just need that. And I said, well, I need you to do this, this, and this. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm thinking, when they leave, you're not going to. Because the first thing I told you was to be in church, and you weren't willing to do that. See, God doesn't owe you more answers when you won't respond to the answer he's already given you. You know, raising children, I'm not giving you anything more to do until you do what I just told you to do. I'm not going to let you do what you want to do until I told you to do what, until you do what I told you to do. You know, that's just the way this works. You know, and so it's not a quick fix. You know, there are times when it, it, takes, it takes effort, it takes diligence, it takes determination, it takes changing, it takes doing what you know to do if you want things to change. Godly wisdom, that's godly wisdom right there. 
I mean, I just put some godly wisdom in a nutshell here for you. Hallelujah. You know, um, in Proverbs 3.13, it it talks about, uh, in verse 14, it goes on and it says, For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that you can desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Does, Does it occur to you that wisdom is referred to as a she? You'll find in the book of Proverbs that so many times wisdom is continually referred to as a beautiful and a virtuous woman. And that man's wisdom is referred to as a harlot. Why? Because you try to do it on your own, there will be a price to pay. It looks good at first. It looks like this is, oh, this is great. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to have a great time. It's just going to be, everything's wonderful. It's peaceful. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then there's a price that comes with it. See, with God's wisdom, there are, there are rich dividends that come with God's wisdom. And man's wisdom will always lead you in a path that will cost you more than you want to pay. It is so important, you know, in the affairs of life, you know, to, to seek God and to be ready to hear what he has to say. For you and for me, we have to, when we go to God and we ask him for wisdom, because, I mean, that's what the Bible says. If you, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. Listen, when you're going to ask for wisdom, be ready to say, yes, Lord. Sometimes we come to God and we come to people, you know, who, who've got, who you want to get some godly counsel from, and, 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 and we really don't want to hear the answer that they've got because we've all really already made up our mind. That's your wisdom. That's man's wisdom. And let me tell you, if you don't come to God with an open heart, be ready to hear no when you don't want to hear no. Be ready to hear go when you don't want to go. Be ready to just hear whatever he's got to say and be ready to do whatever he has to say. Then that's when you're going to really get the benefits of wisdom. And it says that length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Listen, don't go seeking after the things, the benefits that wisdom brings. Seek the wisdom and all these things come with it. You know, right hand usually is, is, is for most people, that's their dominant hand. Well, what's in her right hand? Length of days. Length of days. Health. Healing. In the left hand, riches and honor. Listen, you can, you can get overwhelmed with either one of those things. Don't go seeking after the things. I mean, in, in 3 John, it says, Beloved, I, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The important thing is that your soul, your spirit man is prospering. God wants you to have the other things, but he wants, your, he wants that spirit man to be the thing that's growing, that's abounding in these. So don't seek after those, those things. Well, how can you just, just seek after health? Well, let me give you an example. Um, um, a gentleman that we know, a pastor that we know now, pastors a very large church up north, uh, came to us when he was um, a young man. Of course, we were all a lot younger back then. This is in the 80s, mid-80s. And uh, he has, his wife had just left him. 
said she didn't want anything to do with being in the ministry because he was obviously called. And the crazy thing was she wanted to support his ministry, you know, but she didn't want to be married to him. And he goes, no, I think you better keep your money. Anyway, uh, the, he, he wanted to let us know when he got here. He was, a, he was a traveling evangelist, and he wanted to let us know what his marital situation was when he got here in case we decided we didn't want him to minister. And we went, no, brother, you know, you're fine. This is not, this is not your fault. She had gotten hooked on bodybuilding. Do you know, it started out just as a, as a health thing, you know, just need to get in shape, I need to be more fit, you know, and it turned into an obsession. And that obsession got a hold of her to the point that she didn't want anything to do with God. And so she left him. Well, fortunately, God provided him with another wonderful woman of God just a year or two later. And today they pastor this large church with three beautiful grown children. You know, it just, you can seek after the wrong things. Even, you know, Kendra, I hope you don't mind me using you as an example, but last year when Kendra was going through all the stuff that she was doing, you know, she, I think she said something that was really important to me. You know, if you have a health issue in your body, sometimes we get so consumed with healing scriptures and this and that and the other. And she said, you know, I learned to get up every day and just say, Lord, what would you like me to focus on today? You know, we just automatically think somebody who's, who's got, you know, who's dealing with a cancer issue, that, oh, they'd be just in the healing scriptures all the time. That's all they would do is just healing scriptures, healing scriptures, healing scriptures. And yet she learned last year that wisdom says to ask God every day, what, Lord, would you like me to focus on today? Maybe it's just, just worshiping you, spending time with you. You know, it could be any number of things. You know, so you can't get so caught up. And obviously, we all know that you can't get caught up with riches and honor. You know, but sometimes we neglect to think that how we could get consumed with this physical body. We can. We can. So the Lord's saying, you know, wisdom, it's got two hands, and they both hold benefits to you. Don't get consumed with the benefits. Matthew says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, if I don't get started here, we won't, we won't get any much further here. Uh, let me just kind of drop down. Okay. There are five different Hebrew words for the word wisdom. And the one that's used most frequently in Proverbs is a Hebrew word called chakma. The root of it means it's something that you pound in. Pound. pound. Ooh, like that. The little P there. Pound in. You have to pound it. You know, I would love to pound some things into some people's heads ever so often. Love to. Love it. Love it. But the Lord didn't tell me to do that. You know, he let, it says let the word do that. But it says to pound it in. If you go over to Joshua 1.8, you know, you'll, talk, you'll see where he, he talked to Joshua about, about meditating in the, in the word. Uh, Proverbs 4.20 through 21, attend to my words, incline my ears to your sayings. You know, we can look those up, but we're not going to, you know, just for the sake of time tonight. Um, you, but you have, to, you have to get to a place where you, you're constantly in the Word, letting the Word just go in and go in and go in and go in. Never with an attitude. You never come to church, you know, and you think, oh, he's going to be teaching about this. I've heard that before. Oh, you're missing the point. God's wanting to do some pounding. He's wanting to do some pounding. You need to hear it again. 
the athlete never gets never gets tired or never gets away from the very foundations of the game the sport he's playing you know the very the very basics you have to continually practice them and practice them and practice them the rest of your game won't get any better if you don't practice the basics Fielding and baseball, you've got to constantly do it. Dribbling and basketball, all kinds of things. You've got to constantly stay on top of the basics that apply to this. You have to stay on top of the basics of your spiritual life. Over, never have the attitude, I've heard that before. If you do, you cut yourself off from the wisdom that God is trying to put into you because he's building on the wisdom that's there. He wants to add more to it. Hallelujah. Um, 2 Timothy 2.15 talks about study to show yourself approved. That's just letting the word get pounded in. There are, thing, there are some things that wisdom does. Uh, number one, it pays dividends. Proverbs 8 you're close by, Proverbs 8. Verses 32 to 35, it says, Now therefore hearken to me, O you children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso finds me finds life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. So it pays rich dividends. Number two, it cries out. Go back to Proverbs 1. Let's start in verse 20. Wisdom cries without, and she utters her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she utters her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. You see three types of people here in, in verse 22. Simple ones. What's a simple person? What's he referring to? Stupid. That's about as good a word as it gets for that. A stupid person, which really is basically a carnal Christian. Somebody who's just really, you know, ah, uh, they're born again, but they, you know, they don't really care too much about, you know, living life naturally. Number two, scorners. Those are unbelievers who scoff and ridicule the things of God. There's a bunch of that going on today, isn't there? Scoff and ridicule. Did not some crazy TV hosts say something about how Jesus, you know, talks to somebody and how that's a mental illness? I am full of a church of mentally ill if that's the case. I will need to know that God talks to me. You know, I, now, of course, she went back and later tried to undo the, Oh, I was just joking, you know. No, she wasn't. That woman is full of the devil. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'll tell you later. <laughs> but there are scorners. Those are three types. There's the simple, there's the scorners, and then there's the fool. Well, what is a fool? A fool is somebody who turns his back on God, has no care, no interest in things of God, has no idea what they're refusing and the consequences that will come by their refusal. So isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Now, don't count yourself amongst the simple or the scorner or the fool. Now, number three, wisdom 
makes or mocks the proud. That's in verse 24. It says, because I have called and you refused, I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. Hallelujah. But you have set at naught all my counsel and none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. Wisdom rejects fools. That is in uh, verses 27 through 32. When your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they that hateth knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all of my free proof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearkens to me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. Listen, there are rich dividends here to the things of God. Uh, and then lastly, it protects the wise, which we just read in verse 33. Whoso hearkens unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. I'm telling you what, it is, it is, I can't put, put a price on the ability to live in peace, to live in safety, and not be afraid, to be delivered from fear. I mean, can you put a price on that? The person who dwells in the things of God and who learns his ways and who walks in his, in his statutes, that's the person who walks in peace, who lives in safety, who appreciates and, and enjoys the things of God. You know, he protects us. You know, we have the same issues that happen in our lives as other people do. But I tell you, the person who walks in the wisdom of God will handle those situations differently. Will react to those situations differently. You know, even believers, you know, I, I, over, over the course of all these years, you know, you see people, you know, and they might be in church every single day. And yet when, when something happens, they fall apart. I mean, they just, I mean, they become a basket case. And I'm thinking, what have you been listening to all the time you've been sitting here? It should have registered on you enough that you know you don't have to panic. You don't have to become a basket case. You handle this differently because of what's on the inside of you. You know, don't be one of those people. You have the word of God on the inside of you to the, to the point that no matter what comes your way, no matter what issue comes up, you immediately know, ah, the Lord is my dwelling place. All is well. All is well. He will lead me. He will guide me. He's got the answers and the solutions that I need. And he's more than willing to tell me. And I'm his child. I hear his voice. I know his voice. And I will understand what he's telling me to do. You know, that's where you go. The person who's full of wisdom, that's where they go. That, that's what you think. Not how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do now? What's going to happen tomorrow? Where will I be next week? No, going. God, I rest in you. I'm resting in you. Your wisdom will lead me and will guide me. I don't care how bleak it looks. I don't care how dark it looks. I don't care how impossible it looks. You have wisdom, and you're going to reveal that to me. I don't have to panic. I don't have to panic. I, I just know I can do this. I can do this because you are my help. You're my God. You've got to be full of this kind of stuff because you never know what the devil's going to say to you, what he's going to throw your way. But it doesn't matter what he's going to throw. You've already got the answers. You may, it may not be fun walking it out. 
It might not be. But I'm telling you, at the end of what you have to walk out, you will be so much stronger than what you were when you went into it. I always wonder, devil, why are you so stupid? Why do you throw things at people? Because the person whose, whose life is founded on the word of God, who's standing on the rock solid word of God, will come out better than when you started this. So I didn't think he's an idiot, but you know, that's okay. Hallelujah. Now, I will quickly get to, I hope I got enough time, about the different types of Proverbs that there are. Did you know there are six different types of Proverbs? Number one, the first type of proverb is called a synonymous proverb. Now, it's just like it sounds. A synonymous proverb is when both lines of a proverb say essentially the same thing, but expressed in a slightly different way. For instance, Proverbs 11.25 says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall also be watered himself. It's basically saying the same thing in just two different ways. And, um, you know, it just talks about, it's really referring to the fact that a generous person is going to prosper. And you can go through here and, and, and you can find all kind of Proverbs and you can, at the end of the night, you know, if you write all these down or you go back over them, you can go and you can look at Proverbs and you can start categorizing them to what kind of proverb they, they are. Another example is Proverbs eleven twenty nine. It says, he that troubles his own house shall inherit the wind and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. You know, this, it was interesting to, to, to look at this one particular one because you know, there has been over the years and socialism is cropping its head up in our, in our, in our country right now and, and communism said the same thing. It says that you, know, you take all the, the wealth, you take all of the resources and you divide it equally amongst so that everybody has the same thing. Let me tell you that, why that doesn't work because it won't take long before the fool doesn't have it anymore and the wise have it all again. That's what this, he that troubles his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise heart. You know, that's why it will never work. Because though you distribute it and you put it all out there, some people are going to lose it all. And some people are going to be there to rake it all in. Because they're wise with what they do. You know, there's a, there was a home down the street from where we lived, you know, before we sold our house that had been built by somebody who won the lottery. And they had won the lottery. They bought this five-acre piece of land. They built this nice house on it. And you know what? Over the course of time, the place began to get more and more run down. And I'm thinking, hmm, somebody does not wise with their money. You know, it's not good for some people to come into a lot of money at one time. I got some, I got some relatives, some, you know, who are very young, who seem to think that one day they're going to wind up with all this. And I'm thinking... If you do, you'll run through it inside of three months. You won't have it. It'll all be gone. You know, there's a price to pay when you're going to just be a fool. And that's, that's one of them. Anyway, uh, so this, this particular proverb just warns us about, about foolish money management in our household affairs. Uh, but, you know, you can see that God is interested in every part of our lives when you start looking at some of these things. Number two, the second type of proverbs is called antithetical. This simply means that the thought that's presented in the first line with a negative of that thought expressed in the second line. Uh, what it means is if you do this, you'll be blessed, but if you don't, then this is going to happen. Isn't it nice that God starts out with a positive? 
He's going to tell you, this is, how you, this is what you're going to get if you, if you just do this. But if you don't, this is what's going to happen. He wants to accentuate the positive. And he would like for you to eliminate the negative. Proverbs 14.30 says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. You'll, most of the time you'll find a but in one of these Proverbs, but, not often, but sometimes not, maybe not. But anyway, you're, you're doing a, a contrast of the two different lines. Consider this one. Uh, Proverbs 17.22, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Now, we all know that that's true. Joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You ever saw somebody who, who, who was down, depressed, had issues in life, but you couldn't get them to rejoice? And they just became more and more like this. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Listen, even doctors will tell you that laughter is good for you, that it releases certain kind of endorphins in your body that are healing properties. You know, I remember what, I read a story of a lady who had um, a terminal illness and the doctors had given up on her. And so she just got alone in her room with all kinds of, of different things that would just make her laugh. Videos, funny videos, different things. This was a natural thing. And so she got, and she just holed up in there and she just had all these comedies and all these different things that, 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 that she watched and she listened to and she just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And after a, a certain amount of time had gone by, she was tremendously better. Listen, laugh at the devil. Laugh at everything he throws your way. Laugh when the pain hits you. Laugh. You say, well, I don't feel like laughing. Well, it doesn't mean you feel like it. Just laugh anyway. Sometimes you just start off with ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. And it will finally get to ha, 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 ha. Then the Holy Ghost can take over. And then you really got some good stuff going on. You have to make yourself laugh. You know, there are times when it just seems like, you know, everything happens at once. The whole world is caving in. What do I have to laugh about? You laugh because God is the one who puts you over. You laugh because he always leads you in triumph. You laugh because you've been enabled, equipped, and, and, and he expects you to use what you've got to get out of all this. I mean, it's there. Victory is right there. You can laugh at the devil because look at what he did and look where he's going. He's in terrible shape. No matter how bad a shape he says you're in, his end is going to be worse than you ever considered. It's easy to laugh when you know where he's headed. And God doesn't want you headed that same way. You know, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Some of that, hound, that pounding in one verse, you get it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't ever let yourself say, I've got nothing to rejoice about. You have everything to rejoice about. Everything. Hallelujah. So let's go on. Uh, one of my favorites, favorite Proverbs, I don't know if, you, you know, some, some Proverbs are just funny. And, and some of them are really serious. 
But, you know, one of the ones I've looked at all the time, you know, especially when my house is empty of just everybody but me, is Proverbs 14, 4, where there is no oxen, the crib is clean. <laughs> so today I thought maybe I should read the rest of that proverb. And uh, let's see. But listen to this one. It says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox, which means it's a wonderful thing to have the ox in the house, even though you have to clean up behind them. <laughs> there's, there are just some that are just so fun. I mean, really, when you start looking at them, there are some that are humorous. But you know what? God's got a sense of humor. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Okay, then there's a third type of proverb. It's called a synthetic proverb. Now, this is the way this, this one works. A composition or combination of parts or elements so as to form a whole. It's used to uh, identify a proverb where both lines seem to express a totally different thought, yet have a common theme. Okay, an example of this is Proverbs 10, 18. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that utters slander is a fool. And now, in the first part of it, you see where the was, was dealing with uh, lying or falsehoods. And the second line concerns slander or malicious talk. One of these, the first line, hides his true feelings. The other speaker makes no attempt to hide it. And ultimately, the whole thought is that the same results happen, harm and injury. You can hurt a lot of people with words. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never harm me. Yes, they do. Sometimes they hurt worse. Sometimes they cause more injury than a, than a stick or a stone. And so God's warning us in that particular proverb about the wrong use of the tongue. Uh, somebody once said that the best way to avoid losing face is to keep the bottom half shut. You know, we all have had times we've stuck our foot in our mouth. Yeah, not good, not good. You know, there are times that I have made a mess of things just because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. If you go over to James, it talks about the, the power of the tongue, how it's this little thing, but it kindles a big fire. You know, just like the rudder of a ship, a little old bitty thing, and it will steer the entire ship around. You know, just, those are just, those are, that's a type of that. Uh, the fourth type of proverb is called... Um, an integral proverb. In this one, the second line completes the thought of the first line. In effect, the thought flows so well that the effect is almost like it's one continuous line with no interruption. Now, there's, there's a lot of uh, these proverbs. Example for this one is Proverbs 13, 14. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Here you see that the second line completes the thought of that first line. How about this one? Proverbs 19.20. Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter end. The second line here emphasizes the results that you'll get if you do the first part. Isn't that what it says? Hear counsel and receive instruction. Why? So you can be wise in your latter end. Some people get to the end of their life, and it's not pretty because along the way, they didn't hear counsel. They didn't receive instruction. Can't tell me God didn't try to get it in them. 
but they wouldn't receive it. Mark Twain said this. I wrote this down. He said, when I was 17, I thought my father was the most ignorant man I'd ever known. Anybody here relate to that? Okay. The teenagers are not in here, but we all were teenagers at one time, much to their dismay. They do not believe that I was once a teenager, too. Um, anyway, it says, my, when I was 17, I thought my father was the most ignorant man I'd ever known. But then when I got to be 21, I was amazed at how much that old fella had learned in just four short years. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. When your children are growing up when they're teenagers, they don't think you know a thing. Don't think you know, not one thing. And as they grow up, they went, oh, yeah, she did say that. My dad did tell me that. Oh, yeah, he tried to warn me. And sometimes we're fools enough that we don't listen, that we have to make our own mistakes. Listen, as parents, we want to, we want to have children who receive instruction so that they don't make the same mistakes we made. I don't want them learning it the hard way. I want them learning it God's way so that they don't have to learn it the hard way. I want to spare them, you know, the consequences that, that I had to endure because I didn't listen. You know, so, so, yep, for all those teenagers out there who may or may not listen to this, your parents actually do know what they're talking about most of the time. You know, there are, there are times when maybe, you know, we get it wrong, you know, especially when it comes to technology. You know, I, I know I bug Pastor Greg all the time with, come help me with this, come help me with that. What do I do about this? What did I, of course, I always say, what did I do wrong? And he, sometimes he just kind of looks at me and went, listen, I taught you a lot of things growing up. Now you can help me. You can teach your mama some things. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6 counsels parents to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they're not depart from it. I want you to notice, it says, train up a child in the way. He should go, not a way, but the way. Not your way, but the way. As parents, we need to train ourselves to keep wisdom in us when we're raising these children so that we make sure that they stay in the way they should go. Not our way, but the way. You know, as parents, we, we, have, to, we have to get to a place where we understand that just because we think our children ought to, to grow up and pursue this or pursue that, or pursue the other. What does God say about it? God should be talking to them about what they, maybe you have a witness in your heart. You know, you know. We at one time we could see Pastor Greg was was had a, had a calling and an anointing on his life. But you know what? It wasn't up to us to tell him what to do with his life. It was something he needed to find out for himself. And you see, your children, God may tell you some things about what they're going to do in life. Wisdom might be to keep it to yourself and pray. Pray it out. To pray it over them. To let God fill your mouth and to fill your heart. And, and, and to do the things that would help them without you pushing them that direction. Listen, nobody, nobody wants to be pushed. Nobody needs to be pushed. You know, I, I love the Food Network. Pastor goes, I don't know why you watch that all the time because you never cook anymore. I just like to see what other people are cooking. You know, but, but I was watching a version, an episode of Chopped last night. You know, and this one particular girl, she said that, that she had, uh, her parents wanted her to be, you know, a professional of some kind, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, and she wanted to be a cook. And when they, she told them she was going to cooking school, they basically disowned her. 
you know, don't do that. Don't decide what your children ought to be or what they ought to do. Let God put that in their heart. They will shine when they follow his path. You need to train them up in his way. Teach them that the path they need to be on is the path of wisdom, the path of understanding, the path of, of seeking God, the path of following after God, being doers of the word as well as hearers. That's the path they need to be on, and God will take care of the rest. Amen. Um, fifth type of proverb is called a parabolic proverb, where the first line illustrates the second line. The second line is the actual teaching, and the first line is the analogy. Uh, listen to this one. Here's one of these humorous ones. Proverbs 11:22, As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is, out, which is without discretion. Well, what in the world does a piece of gold in a pig's nose have to do with anything? Well, to a, you have to understand that to the, to the children of Israel, a pig was a horrendous thing. I mean, that was, you didn't even touch swine at all. And so to think that a woman who was without discretion was likened to putting a piece of gold in a pig's nose, something that was detested by them, kind of gives you an idea. You know, um, let me find this. If you don't have a 26 translations, you, you know, you, you're missing some good stuff. And it's some great analogies here or some great uh, interpretations. Because sometimes, you know, for some of these, these proverbs, you need to kind of work on it a little bit to figure out what in the world it's talking about sometimes. But this one, let me find this one here. Because some other translations might be a little bit more of a help to us. Um, let's see. A golden ring in the snout of a sow... And a pretty woman without sense. Hmm. As a jewel in the snout of a swine, so is beauty in a woman devoid of discretion. Um, like, oh, this one's a good one, New, England, New American Bible. Like a golden ring and a swine's snout is a beautiful woman with a rebellious disposition. Oh, goodness. A beautiful woman lacking discretion and modesty is like a fine gold ring in a pig's snout. So sometimes just getting some different translations will help you figure out, you know, a little bit more about what a proverb is saying. But, you know, um, sometimes people get all caught up in what a woman looks like, what a guy looks like. Oh, they're so pretty. They're so handsome. They're so beautiful. Listen, it matters a whole lot more what's on the inside. Matters a whole lot more what's on the inside. We had a friend years ago who thought he was going to hold out until Miss America came along. And we thought, Ralph, it ain't going to happen, son. It just ain't going to happen. <laughs> and there was a girl there in the church that was head over heels for him. I mean, she, was, she wasn't Miss America, okay? I don't know what he thought. But she was, she was full of another kind of beauty that was absolutely without price. And he finally one day turned around and took one look and went, oh, all right, because he wasn't Mr. America. <laughs> She's the sweetest thing, pretty, but not, maybe not in the Miss America category. But you know, when he got to looking at what was on the inside of her, I mean, 
Listen, the eyes, beauties in the eye of the beholder and what he beheld far surpassed anything he could have ever imagined. So anyway, uh, another parabolic proverb is like Proverbs 25, 25. As cold waters, you, I think you can relate to this one. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Isn't that always the case? Good news. I mean, it's just, oh, man, it just, it just, it's wonderful. I mean, it's just so refreshing to hear some good news. Um, then there's Proverbs 26, 9. As a thorn goes up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Going, oh, my goodness. As a thorn goes into the hand of, what does that tell you? Well, now, I, I worked in medicine. I worked in the emergency room when I was in x-ray school. And what this is basically saying is a drunk feels no pain. He gets hurt. He feels no pain. I'm in the emergency room one night, and they call me to come down there and x-ray this guy. And, uh, and so I've got him in there, and it's like, oh, okay, I want you to be still, hold your breath. What? What? You know, because you're on the other side of the screen. And I say, you need to hold. He was drunker than a skunk. had been in an automobile accident. You know, they were trying to figure out what all was wrong with him. You know, and you know, drunk guy, I figure, you know, this is what the doctors tell me. Oh, when they're drunk like that, they just kind of roll the car flips. You know, they get hurt even less because they're just, they're just you know, they're not tensed up. They got no, they're not sober enough to know they need to be tensed up. But anyway, we, we did this two or three times. I need you to hold still and hold your breath. What? You know, so I finally, I just really gave him what for. He goes, honey, I sure wouldn't want to have to come home to you. <laughs> and I went, sugar, you better never come home to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but you know what? You know, there are, there are just some people who are just too stupid to know they're hurt. They just don't seem to feel the pain. But, but the, that person is just like when God tries to give them some wisdom and you're a fool and you don't receive it. Um, oh, Lord, I am. I'm out of time. Uh, Number, I'm going to stop with this. I'm so sorry. I'm going to keep you an extra couple of minutes to finish this up. Uh, the final type of proverb is called a comparative proverb. Uh, how about this one? Uh, it compares one thing with another to illustrate a common trait or theme. For example, a continual dropping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Mm, get on my nerves. Why don't you? You know. Uh, that's like someone who nags all the time. You know, just, it's like the constant drip of a faucet. Then after a while, you just, you just want to tear your hair out. Well, that's what a nag does to somebody else. Um, so, I better stop. Maybe next time I, I get back to this, we'll kind of run through these a little bit more. But, uh, so anyway, here you've got the, the, the six different types of, oh, well, here's another one. I just can't pass this one up. Proverbs 21.9, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. And with that, good night. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.